Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and with me today is calf roper Cody Huber. He's also a longtime friend who I've known since we were pretty much born. Um, Cody, go ahead and say hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Cody, where you're from, what you do? Um, just tell the listeners, you know, a little bit about who you are. Um, my name's Cody Huber. I'm from Albia, Iowa, about 60 miles from where Cammie uh, lives, or li- used to live. My dad, he has made the National Finals Rodeo and the calf roping, and I'm a calf roper as well. Come up through the ranks of junior high rodeo, high school rodeo, and now uh, as a professional, uh, Cammy, we visited the other day and thought it'd be good to visit a little bit on our podcast. Yeah. So let's just dive right into it. You know, you are sitting, where are you sitting in the world right now? I'm not 100% sure, like uh, in the top 40. In the uh, top 40, okay. For sure. Um, I think like mid-30s or something. Yeah. So what has it taken for you to get to this level that you're at? A lot of practice. I'm, I'm big on practice and learning new things, whether you're five years old or 55 years old. There's always something to learn. I started out as a, at a pretty young age. Uh, roping just been in my blood. Had horses that I could rope on every day my whole life. My dad has been a huge influence on me and he still practices with me he don't practice as much anymore but he's still in the barn about every day when i rope uh but practice is huge i think and practicing the correct way has i think been a lot of contributed a lot to the success that i have had what do you consider what what's considered the right way versus the wrong way explain that a little bit in my opinion i think that when you when you practice you need to practice for yourself at, along with your horse, um, whether depending on what you, what event you're doing. In my event, uh, I run not a ton on my really good horse, but I've got two or three practice horses, and I run anywhere from five to twenty-five a day, uh, depending on the weather and depending on the horses. Um, but if you get too tired, I, I think you're. I think that you get doing bad habits, so you need to practice a little every day versus a lot once a day. Rope the dummy, tie the dummy, watch videos. I still watch roping tapes all the time and, and trying to learn learn more about the sport and about calf rope. But I mean, I to say that I know everything would be a huge lie. I mean, and you can never watch too many videos because, like you said before, never stop learning. It's when you stop learning that you quit becoming, that you quit getting better, and you can always get better. Obviously, I mean, look at the Trevor Brazils of the world. They, they're constantly getting better, and people are still coming up and setting new records behind him. So, you know, they're, they're learning, they're progressing, they're constantly, constantly getting to the next level, and there's always another level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So... When you practice, you 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 say you don't run a whole lot on your on your good horses that you're competing on. Do you tie from the shoe instead, or how do you keep yourself in shape and and practice that? For me, uh, to kind of go through what I do, it just kind of depends on the time of year. In the springtime, I tie a lot from the post, and I try to try to run about as many practice caps as I can, getting ready 
to leave for the summer. Uh, I've got a couple practice horses and some young horses that I ride. I'll tie from the shoot to start with generally. Not every day, but quite a bit. I'll tie, you know, probably 25 to 30 from the shoot. And then I'll rope on three to five horses, depending on the day. My good horse, I probably, he's 10 years old. He's just a solid horse. I might might rope two days a week on him and maybe only run two calves on those two days that I rope. Then, like, on my practice horse, that's the horse I rope strictly for myself on. And uh, I might have to do a little uh, work on him every once in a great while, but he's just a... He's not quite good enough to go to the rodeos. He don't really like crowds, so I just run five to ten on him a day. Yeah, it's really important have to have a practice horse, too, then. I mean, you got you can't put all that pressure on in your good my, horse in, all the time. Yeah, in my opinion, I think it's great to have a practice horse or a young horse coming that you can make a couple practice runs uh, a day. And like I said, even open the dummy is great practice or tying the dummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a perfect calf that I rope quite a bit when I train horses and I rope it I rope it a lot too just to you can throw more loops you know it's not quite as much pressure on your horse you can rope it 30 times a night without wearing your horse out versus maybe only getting the rope you know three or four calves and maybe not tying the calf the perfect calf down every time break land just working on positioning and and your catch loop right yeah, I, I agree with that. We talked about the other day um, seasons and how you're you're pretty picky about when you're when you train horses and when you don't. When you're out there rodeo and you're not gonna you're not gonna be running a bunch on colts. Is that right? I rope on just strictly pretty much my practice horse and my good horse in the summertime. I might rope on a, a young horse that's ready to go to rodeos, but as far as I, I train horses for other people as well. And I don't get any of them in until after our circuit finals, which is in November. And then I ride them up until about April 1st, just because I think I slow my swing down when I'm training, trying to make the horses um, good. As far as my my own young horses go, depending on where they're at, if I'll rope on them in the summertime or springtime, you know, late spring when I'm getting ready to leave, if they're good enough to make a couple practice runs a day on and then maybe do a little uh, work with them, tuning on them or, you know, positioning and stuff like that, I might rope on them a couple days a week and then rope on them first. I always try to rope on my worst horse first, or not necessarily worst, but my greenest horse. That way when I rope at the very end of that day, I rope on either my practice horse to get my runs for myself or my good horse that way when you're done for the night you know that you you've accomplished something where some days if anybody in the young horse business knows you might be very frustrated yes the young horse had been working really good and then didn't work good that day you don't I, I try not to end a practice session frustrated but sometimes you just you just gotta quit and move on to the next day and Hopefully yeah. it gets better. I think that's great advice to wait and, you know, rope on your last horse or on your best horse last because, you know, even what, when you're sleeping, you know, if you can quit on a good note, when you go to sleep, then your mind's processing the good things that happen instead of going to bed frustrated with the last run, the last couple of runs you made. Right. And you always want to run one more. I mean, it, 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 that's just, that's what everyone, yeah. you rope, I, I, and I'm just as guilty as anybody. You're like, that felt good, but. 
I think I can make one more run. And, you know, sometimes you just got to say, you know what, no, that was a good run. We're going to rope again tomorrow. Quit while you're ahead. And I'm a firm believer in if you've only got one horse, I've only had one horse at times. And as a young young person, you've got to practice. So you might have one horse, and that's your good one and your practice horse, and that's fine. Uh, I just think that if that's the case, you need to rope instead of roping one day a week and happen to run 15 or 20 that one day if there's any way you can rope three to five calves a day then you're not burning your horse out or making them get too hot i think a a reputation you know slow and steady versus you know 100 percent all just one day a week yeah um which i know i know it's hard i was fortunate enough for my dad to have a indoor arena and uh, I got to use it, whether it was nice outside or, or rainy. So I was able to rope every day and had help to rope every day. Right. But there's plenty of people out there that, that are willing to help. It costs a lot. It's, it's, rodeo's not a, it's not a cheap, it's not a cheap thing. Um, my family has a practice. Uh, people can come rope. Uh, and uh, I know Cammie's mom and dad, they had a practice night. Um, but it, it is, it's, it, it's expensive um yeah it is expensive people come to my house i try to and i try to do you know if if they come once a week um i have a set amount but if they're coming you know if they they come to me and say hey cody we want to come three days a week for two months you know i'm gonna try to do whatever i can to help them out where it doesn't cost um as much yeah and i think there's you know i think there's a lot of people out there in the world who are willing to help no matter what age you are, but especially kids, you know, get to the next level. And from our indoor arena, you know, in Iowa, our ride nights were, we had open nights at least once a week throughout the winter. I mean, throughout the whole year. And it only cost $10 for two hours without the lights and $20 for two hours with the lights, you know. So if you couldn't get there late, then you could come. And, you know, like we talked about yesterday, that's still really not even covering the cost for us for the lights to be on. But, you know, we wanted to see people do that. And it was almost a little disheartening on how many people didn't take advantage of it. And then you hear people complain of, well, I don't have any place to ride. Well, that's not true. It's just you have to be willing to sacrifice a little bit to make yourself go. And, you know, I understand that it is difficult to, to get places at night sometimes, especially if you have kids and whatnot. But you still have to be willing to take that trip because you don't have to buy the indoor arena. You just have to put in a little bit of time and a little bit of money compared to what it would take to have it all at your house. Correct. I mean, that's what my dad is, and, and, and I believe him. I've kind of taken over our barn and I put on clinics and schools and stuff. Um, the first day, my dad said the first day was the only day that was super fun roping in the barn because ever since that first day it's been work and it mm-hmm. takes a lot of money to keep it going a tractor and a good arena drag and and the lights and to keep and for an indoor keep it watered down where you can be in there yeah. and not kill yourself with dust right and it's just there's a lot of work there's a lot of work involved in it and when I was growing up I had a lot of people say well you're where you're at because you had an indoor arena and you can practice all year round. Well, we, I've never told anybody, no, they're not allowed to come rope at my place. Uh, I might have told somebody they can't that particular night or I didn't have calves and, you know, we got to wait for a, a certain time. But I've never told anybody, no, you're not welcome. Right. And 
and then and I told everybody for it wasn't from um, my dad didn't pull me out there when it was five degrees outside or negative degrees or open. I'm sure he didn't want to be standing out there running the shoot gate for me. You got to be self-driven in this sport. I think there's you don't have a teammate to. I mean, you got friends and people, like, I mean, my best friend, we, we push each other all the time when we're practicing, but you don't have somebody saying, okay, you got to do this like a coach, you know, you're, mm-hmm. and in college you have a coach and, and in high school, you know, you kind of have your parents, but you've got to want to, you can tell in my opinion, and, and I don't want to no take this the wrong way, but you can tell the people and the kids or, or adults that are like, I really, really want they want something out of it mm-hmm. uh, to win or to, you know, some people just want to do it as a hobby. That's great. Yeah. Um, and some people want to make it a living and, and that's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. If you're going to try to make it a living, there's so much more into it. And I think, you know, there's, there's so much sacrifice in making it a living. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how you, how you had to rope on certain during certain times of the year you didn't rope on your young horses well that sacrificed your income and i've stopped at people's houses along the way rodeoing and and you know when you're rodeoing people are really good about hey if you need to run a couple practice caps stop my house don't owe me nothing you know i try to make it right with them or do whatever whatever you know you've got i've seen a lot of quotes on facebook you know you have your your real family and then you have a rodeo family and that's and i and i'm a firm believer and that as well. Oh, yeah. We're so lucky. And I definitely think, you know, just even the other day when I put a post on, on Snapchat, I think it was, and you said, hey, I'll do a podcast. You know, not everybody would do that. And I think that's pretty awesome. You know, no matter where I'm at in the world, you know, I've lived in Oklahoma. I live in Colorado now. I've been in Iowa. And everywhere I go, I've always felt welcomed when I get to a rodeo. I'm also not a shy person, which yeah. helps, but even so, like any time I've ever showed up at a rodeo, I've always felt like I was at home, whether I knew a single soul yeah. or not. And that's a big, I mean, it's a big deal, um, you know, when we're, when we're gone and, and you're rodeoing, it's just, you want to be, you want to feel welcome or, you know, in place, not out of place. And, yeah. And that's, I mean, everybody's welcome and, and never... In my opinion, in this sport, I, I think everybody is the camaraderie is so good. Never be scared to scared to ask for help. No one, not many people are going to tell you no. Yeah, I mean, there's very few bad eggs in the rodeo world, in my opinion. And even those those ones, you yep. pr- probably just had a bad day if if they come across negative at all. Yep, exactly. I know you do some clinics and put on a bunch of lessons and stuff. I mean, I've been to your barn and gotten help before, too. What are some things that you see in your clinics in children? We'll start with children. We'll talk about parents, too, and some suggestions that you have for them. But let's start with the kids and some suggestions and things that you see that can help them get to the next level. I think work ethic is a huge, a huge part of it. When you're little and and you want to uh, do whatever, whether it be rodeo, baseball, basketball, whatever, when you decide that that's what you're going to do, you got to put your whole heart into it. And and I'm not saying everybody has to uh, has to do it, but, but I can tell, you know, when when I'm helping somebody, if if hey, they really want this to be what they do in life or really want to win or they just want to do it and kind of have fun with it. And that's great, whatever, whatever that might be. But you can just tell 
but as far as like at my clinics and stuff, joy helping young kids and whether it be breakaway or tying down um, because the look on the look on a kid's face when they if they haven't ever caught a calf before the first time they catch a calf is just it's incredible at my barn we always have and my dad done it for me if it's your first calf you've ever caught off a horse we cut the ear tag out of it and we give we give you the ear tag and, and that probably is just a little cheesy but that's just something my dad's always done it. I've always done it. That's um, awesome. But as far as, as far as if I had to tell one per a, a child or even a, a, a dog, the biggest thing I think is work at it, whether it be roping the dummy, watching videos or tying the dummy or pl- even just playing with the rope. Everyone says, well, how can I handle my rope, my rope better? And I, uh, you know, all the time it's like just play with it. Whether you're, whether you're roping your dog at home, a cat, or a uh, <laughs> dummy, or live cat. I mean, when I was little, my dad he had like six or seven Jersey calves in a pen, and that's all I done. I was tiny, so I couldn't help do anything. So I was always in that pen with goats or that roping them, healing them, doing whatever. Just, just being a kid, and that's where I think I got. I'm not saying I'm the handiest with the rope by by no means. There's a lot of people that handle the rope a lot better than I do. But that's where I think I got to where I could handle my rope the way I do is is just playing with the rope mm-hmm. all the time. I always had a rope in my hand. Just spending time with it and making it your best friend almost, just knowing everything about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pick it up. Even like the little cowboy toy in your house. If you ain't doing nothing, pick it up, swing it, rope it a couple times, move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to roping, roping different dummies and stuff, you know, roping the fast lane. I remember, especially healing it, people would always say, well, that creates really bad habits. What do you think about different dummies and the habits that they create? I think that they're, no matter what you, what dummy you rope or what, there's, there's high, there's benefits and there's disadvantages. I think as long as you do stuff the correct way when you're, when you are roping the fast lane or roping the dummy, as long as you're doing stuff the way you were taught, I don't think it's a bad habit mm-hmm. where you start doing stuff just to have fun, which I'm guilty of it as anything, and kids need to have fun yeah. and rope the dummy and mess around. Um, but there's, I think for me, if I do, if I miss a calf, I might go home and rope my bale or a dummy for, you know, an hour. And I can tell by the end of it, I'm just kind of easing my rope out of it just to catch it. And and that's not good. You just need to rope it 30 or 40 times, quit for 15 minutes, come back and rope it for 15 times again. Yeah. Um, but as long as you're roping the dummy correct, I think you're, I think all dummies are good, especially for young, young, young kids. Yeah. I think you know, knowing the difference between... Yeah, knowing the difference between when you're playing and when you're being serious and being able to differentiate that but still apply, you know, the fundamentals are the fundamentals are the fundamentals at the end of the day. You know, whether you're roping a calf or you're roping a steer, you know, just knowing how to control that rope, whether it's on a dummy or a live animal, there's still basic fundamentals that you need to be able to go back to, no matter if you're just having fun and or going for $10,000. Right, correct. And back to when you said a parent, um, adults and stuff, 
I, I am now a father and and my dad has been uh, the biggest role model in my life of the I mean in my opinion the correct way to live your life and you know rope and everything but you see a lot of people get mad at your kid and I don't mean that as in they're mad at them that they do bad a lot of parents they want their kids to win so bad they just get frustrated and I think and I'm sure I'll be just as guilty as anybody else doing that to, to my child if my kid decides to rope you just want them to do good so bad that you come across as maybe, you know, upset with them that they've done bad. And I just think that's a big thing to not, you know, try your hardest to, you know, make it seem like you're not mad at them. You're upset that they didn't do good, but it's just, it's just part of it. You're going to win and you're going to lose. Yeah. And every, every time you lose, there's something to learn, learn from it. I mean, I'm going to use myself, for instance, the other day I was at Greeley, Colorado and put a wrap in a hoodie on a calf to win a lot of money and I and to get another calf to make the short round and um I did not she got up to win to win the long round and to get another calf um so I mean that's just something I learned you know the other day you know you got to kind of pay attention to I was thinking it was kind of a one header and treated it like a one header I should have put two wraps on or maybe not won the round or second on the round or maybe not even placed but secured myself another calf for the average and you just got to kind of move on and go to the next one and it is what it is yeah you definitely have to constantly keep moving forward especially for those kids that you know are in high school rodeo right now and college rodeo or junior high whatever whatever they're doing if you're entered in multiple events especially like you cannot dwell on it you have to I just actually did a podcast about this earlier today, um, about just keep moving, you know, no matter if it's a bobble in the middle of your run where, you know, maybe you miss flanked, you can still flank, you can still get them flanked and focus on your tie and slow down the rest of that mentally and get it done right. And you can still win a check, but if you, if you let it get in your way completely, then you're not going to win that check. And if you let a bad run in the calf roping screw up the rest of your day, then you're not going to get any points or any money in the team roping or the barrel racing or whatever's next. So I definitely agree that yeah, yeah. you have to learn how to just keep moving. And once it's done, it's done. You can't go back. You can't undo it. It's in the past. Move forward to the future. Yeah. I mean, and in, I mean, Rodeo, I mean, in my event, calf roping is a timed event. And if you can't take back time. So if you miss string one, you got to keep moving forward because if you just go back, I mean, if you go back, you just you're wasting you're wasting time. Um, right. And, and I'm a firm I'm I'm a firm believer in once you nod your head, you continue your run and you keep trying to win even though you might not know you're winning. Um, if you've got a calf that's kicking you real bad, I still, I mean, personally, I try to still go as fast as I think that I'm still winning something. Yeah. Um, and knowing that I'm probably not going to win something, but I still try to go as fast as I can. And, yeah. But crazy things, crazy and things just, do happen and you never know. I mean, you might be sitting last hole on that calf that's kicking to win some money and the next five guys have calves that kick or get up or things go wrong. I mean, I know one year in Shawnee, Oklahoma, I made it to the short go in the goat time to, uh, to win it. And I was sitting fourth and I came in and the top four girls let their goats get up you know the fifth place girl had a chance to win it you just never know when those kinds of things are going to happen we were all you know we all had good runs but our goats kicked and we didn't keep them tied and you just never know 
when that stuff's going to happen. So you have to keep moving through your run and still make the best run that you can, even though it might not have been parts of it might not have been perfect. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So back to the parents, um, your, your dad has made it to the NFR a couple times. You know, he's helped a lot of people. He's a great individual. How did you maintain a father son relationship and a student coach relationship with your dad? Oh, well, we have fought in the arena. Uh, there's, if anybody tells you if they have a parent or a father, mother, um, anything and says, well, we've never argued in the practice pen, uh, they're lying. I don't care. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't care. The happiest people in the world, it's just not possible. But it, we have always had a, happens in the arena, stays in the arena. We might get into an argument and then... 10 minutes later be eating supper and you know like it never happened but we have as my my dad goes he's made the nfr and i felt a lot of pressure um when i was younger people looking at me like i was i had to win and and that wasn't everything i mean i'm not saying somebody didn't hold me to a standard that i should win but no one ever i i think i don't think it thought man he his dad ropes way better than him or he's not living up to his dad's standards or anything like that. And my mom, she's watched more calf rope and runs than most most men, and she can tell me, she tells me what I'm doing wrong before uh, before my dad normally does. Mm-hmm. My dad normally gives me a little time to kind of let it let me think about it. Where my mom, she uh, she don't. My mom can't stand <laughs> breaking breaking the boat or, or missing. Oh, it's been probably four or five years ago. We went from Sydney, Iowa to pa- uh, Pawnee City, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. A little amateur rodeo, pro rodeo. And we drove stupid fast to get there. It was not smart. And we get there, and my dad was roping in the open in over 40. And then Luke Madsen was roping in the... Uh, and my mom come back there. And it don't matter if it... You might have been in the truck one day, and if my mom sees what you're doing wrong, she's going to tell you. <laughs> um, but you just got to kind of take it for what what it is. She, like I said, she's watched more runs than anybody. But that kind of I was just kind of a funny story. But back to, uh, you know, how we, we kept a good relationship. We just, I mean, we do everything together, me and my dad, whether it be work on the farm, drive to the rodeos, rope, go fishing, go hunting. I mean, he's more of a friend than, than I, I mean, he's my dad, but. He's just like a friend um, mm-hmm. as well. But I, I was a teenager once, and I, you know, thought, you know, I know what I'm doing. You just got to kind of take everything for a grain of salt when you're practicing. After you're done practicing that night, just be like, you know what? Whether you argued or you had a great practice, practice, it's just it's over with, and you got to move on to the next day. And for an, a parent putting a lot of pressure on your kids is good, but you got to kind of, there's a fine line between too much pressure and enough pressure to make them want to do good. Or, uh, you know, almost sometimes parents can put enough pressure on them that they don't, they don't want to rodeo. And you just got to, you just got to kind of play it by ear. The main thing is, is it, you got to have fun doing it. Yes. Um, I mean, I enjoy every rodeo I go to. I enjoy it. I, I, I can honestly say I've, said oh i hate roping um before because i ain't been winning or whatever but anytime i practice after i'm done practicing i just feel fortunate to get to rope 
there's a lot of people that would like to rope or win what I have been blessed to win uh, that haven't. And you just got to not take nothing really for, for granted. Yeah. I think, too, you know, when it comes to parents putting pressure on their kids, I think it just takes a lot of – you have to remember how much your kids want it or they don't want it. You know, if your kids don't want it, you can't want it for them. They've got to want it on their own. And when they do want it, then you have to be there for them. But then when you both want it and you're both working for it and the stakes are high and, you know, you're putting – I think – I definitely think it's okay to put a little bit of pressure on your kids, you know, just to, to help them step up. And to say that the world is a pressure-free place is a lie to everybody, you know. So I think that that's okay. But I do think as a parent it's really important to pay attention to your kids and read them. You know, watch – Watch their emotional levels. I know there's been times that I am trying my hardest and things just aren't coming together. And they're my mom or my dad. They're just not realizing it because they're focusing on just helping me, but they're not focusing on on my emotional, my mental. And I'm a girl, so maybe that makes a difference too. But mentally, like I'm almost in tears, you know, and they're just trying to give me suggestions. And I think there's a time to... Definitely pay attention to what your kid's emotional level is as well as what yours is and make sure that you're staying focused on the big picture and not just all of the little things. And be supportive. Always let them know that you're proud of them. I think there's sometimes that, kind of like we were talking about before, you were saying that parents that get mad at their kids and stuff and, and... I think even if they're frustrated or upset or things didn't go right for for anybody or maybe the kid did do something that they completely screwed up, they still, I think it's really important to always let kids know that you love them and that you're proud of them and that you know that they're trying. Yeah, exactly. I think that's super important. So you were a little guy when you were, I mean, you're still not a a big guy, um, but you were really little to start out with. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I am probably five eight and a half on a dang good day, a hundred and fifty pounds. If I just ate a twenty ounce T bone, <laughs> yeah, uh, I am not a very big guy. My dad wasn't a very big guy. I have to do things more fundamentally correct than a lot of guys. Me and like the kid I travel with, Luke Madsen, our our flanking is completely different. He can kind of walk by him and flank him on the move. Um, and I have to break down and, and really flank and be aggressive when I when I get to the calf. Yeah, but it hasn't. Um, it doesn't really slow you down, though. No, it don't slow me down. I, I mean, I'm not saying there's times it'd be it'd be beneficial to be bigger, but I think there's also times that it's beneficial to be to be smaller. I firmly believe that it, it don't really matter how big you are in this sport or any sport. Really, I, I think it matters on how big your heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your trial, that no matter what you're going, giving it a hundred percent or a hundred and ten percent, and I'm no matter what calf they run in there, I'm gonna try to flank them. Or I'm not ashamed if the calf's too big or squatty. I'll, I'll I will hook a nose like I did when I was little. The very first youth roping I entered, I was eight years old. I went to Barry Birch roping, and they now rope kind of dairy calves and stuff that are a little smaller and uh, times have changed in the calf open they wrote native calves bramer calves um, out of florida or mississippi and i was on the cover of the loops magazine i used to just jump off my horse <laughs> way not fundamentally correct <laughs> yeah. and uh in that run i got my shirt ripped 
plum off of me. When I threw my hands up, I did not have an ounce of shirt on me. Um, and I think I was like maybe two minutes or something. That might be the reason there's a time, a, 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 a time second time yeah. at, at, at them roping. But <laughs> I was trying my hardest. And I love going to them junior opens, uh, Barry Burke's Open, Chris Neal's Future Stars, Rising Stars, Roy Cooper's Open, and watching little kids. If I could set up my house and have a roping school every day, I would just as, I mean, I love rodeoing, but I love seeing expressions on kids' face when they when they do good, or when they do bad even, because you can tell a lot about them, whether, you know, they're really wanting to, to do it, and the frustration or the upset if they do not do what they would like. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, I, I get a lot out of the schools I have, and I like to have private ones where I'm one-on-one versus having a big school, just because I think you get a lot more out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I but think I there's definitely think, benefits also, to both. Yep, yeah, and I also think there's benefits to when you do have more than one person, they can watch each other and try to beat the other person. So they're always pushing themselves maybe a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's benefits to both. For sure. Yeah. I know that for me, I'm not an only child, but I'm 10 years behind my siblings and none of them rodeoed. You know, I didn't tie a goat or rope a calf until until I started high school rodeo pretty much. I tied my first goat a month before my first high school rodeo and I had to practice a lot by myself. My parents were there for me and they were helping as much as they could. But, you know, whenever I got to practice with somebody, it was really fun and it was like, man, I got to. I got to really step it up now because I've been practicing by myself and these kids have been practicing with other people. So I got to make sure that doing just as good as they are or better. I got to show off a little bit. And I think there's definitely merit in having two people there, but then sometimes it's also nice to step back and be able to break it down, look them in the eyes, be patient and go through each individual step more than once versus in a clinic where you're kind of pushing through things to get as much done in a couple days as you can. Yes, for sure. And when it comes to clinics, we talked about the other day, you know, how it doesn't matter, you know, you don't want to go to people that, that aren't, that you don't feel like are going to coach you very well. But at the same time, the more clinics and the more people you can get help from and learn from, the better you're going to be because you can take a little piece from each and every person that you encounter. Yeah, I, I, uh. Uh, my dad, uh, I never went to, per se, another person's roping clinic, but being around all the rodeos when I was little, I know I remember Joe Beaver helping me, um, Brent Lewis roping the dummy with me, Cody Ole roping the dummy with me, Fred Whitfield, uh, talking to Trevor Brazil, even talking to Trevor now. I mean, that guy is so knowledgeable. Um all, all of the guys are knowledgeable, um, but I just tried picking up things from them uh, and putting it together. I broke my arm in 2013, and I, I used to tie like my dad, but now I've got a plate in my arm, and I can't tie like that anymore, so I had to pretty much teach. We had to figure out how what tie worked for me, um, and uh, we figured that out. And I think once you kind of have a a fundamental base of how to rope, I think you need to go to any school that you can go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Brent Lewis, Joe Beaver, Mike Johnson, Cody Ole, Fred Whitfield, Trevor Brazil, any, and I mean, I, those are just calf helpers. Um, you know, that's just what I, that's my personal event, so that's what I say. There's clinicians all over the world mm-hmm. that have, you know, and I think, you know, for me, if I, if I would have to do it all over again, I would have loved to go rope with Brent Lewis for a week because Brent is a small guy like me, and I just think I'd have benefited a lot, a lot from that. And I bought my good horse from Joe Beaver, and Joe has been great to me. And uh, he's talked to me, just talking in person, not ever really going. I've roped at his house a couple times, but just, I mean, they're all so knowledgeable. And they can pick up on just something just by watching a video and tell you what you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely worth it I to just seek think those the more, people out. Yeah, if you if you think you know it all, you're wrong. I mean, that's, and I don't mean I don't mean that uh, bad. I mean, I can tell you, them the top guys are still watching and still trying to make themselves better. Mm-hmm. Always, yeah. You can you can just never stop learning. You can never Correct. stop learning. That's for sure. Um, let's see. I have another question for you. What do you, like when you're on the road and you are getting ready to make a run right before you go in the arena or even when you get to the arena, how do you prepare yourself to go in and set up a good run? I just uh, always, I mean, kind of fundamentals, um, just kind of depending on what what I got to do, if it's a one-header or if it's, you know, an average open or if I just need to go tie one down, um, to uh to place I, i'm a i would call i would like to say i'm a placer and try to if if i don't have the calf to win first on i not saying i don't try to win first but i i every check matters to me so if i need to try to win second or third or just get buyer um i just try to have a game plan and uh just stay focused and calm and just kind of I haven't gotten nervous for a long time so it's hard I guess for me to tell somebody to not get nervous um I just get excited Um, every calf I run it's it's fun don't matter if you know that he's not very good there's a good run in every calf whether um whether the calf thinks so or not but they're they're gonna have one good run in them yeah I agree and just hopefully, if you've got if you've got a bad one, you're the one that gets gets the good run out of them. Yeah. Yep. And there's a guy. There's a guy. In, there's a, there's a guy in Nebraska named Bo Brown. Uh, probably one of the ropingest dudes I've ever met. Uh, I remember. Oh, it's been four or five years ago. Him telling me he was at Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and we, we were talking about. He asked me if I knew this cast, and I said, "Man, I've seen her go." five or six times this year and she is no good i mean they've had her in like 16 or 17 maybe even 18 seconds and he's like well she's gonna be good tonight and i said man i sure hope so and he tied her in like eight one or eight two i mean just absolutely smoke just run. made the best run you can make mm-hmm. and uh and ever since then uh it's been sure been in my head that every cast you've, you've got a chance no matter what yeah, I agree with that 100%. Especially, you know, in the barrel racing and stuff, sometimes it can be a little bit 
you know, it can be a little bit trickier in my opinion. I mean, because you're, you're de- so dependent on your horse and the ground conditions and, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a little bit tougher than that, I feel like. But when it comes to like the calf roping, the goat tie and the team roping, you know, as long as you get them captured and get them captured quick after that, it's up to you. I mean, yes, your horse still has to work, but I feel like so much of the roping events falls back on the individual shoulders that, you know, it's, it's in your, it's every event's in your state of mind, but especially when you're roping, you know, you can, you can go out there and, and take your athleticism and all the practice. And, and if you can put that together, even on a bad calf, then you can win. Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. I really think that, that, that you've got a chance as long as you don't have yourself, have yourself beat before you, before you nod your head. Yes, I agree. Do you have any books that you read? I I would say that I am not a big reader. Uh-huh. I, uh huh. I there's a lot of good books. I've read Fred Whitfield's book. I've read Ty Murray's book. Uh, Chris Ledoux's book. I've read some books, but I, as far as just reading a book over and over, I, I don't. Um, as far as like quotes go, I kind of I kind of follow some things on Twitter and stuff. You're a, tw- and, you're a tweeter? Uh, I don't actually know who the... Oh, well, no, I just kind of follow some people that uh, oh. I'm not very good at it, but <laughs> that uh, have in- inspirational quotes and stuff. But one quote that always really stuck with me was, uh, limits begin where visions end, visualize success, and give yourself permission to win. And I couldn't tell you who the author was, but I heard that when I was in junior high or high school, and that's been one that's always stuck with me. If, if you don't think you can win, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to believe in yourself. Yes. But there are a lot of good, a lot of good books um, out there to read. And I've read, uh, Michael Jordan has a book, I guess, that I've read. But I don't, I can't think of the name of that one. I love reading books. I And the older I get, the more I read. When I was in high school and stuff, you know, I read because I had to. And I'd occasionally pick up some books that I liked. But now that, you know, I have a couple businesses and I'm trying to train horses and you get to a point where, when, even, even if it's not books, if you're listening to podcasts or reading those inspirational things on, on Facebook, Instagram, or whatever social media platform you use, those kinds of things are, I believe, are what separates the winners from the people who are not getting to the top. If you can keep your mindset, you know, what you read and what you surround yourself with, even when you're alone, is just as important as the people that you surround yourself with, in my opinion. So if you can surround yourself with these, with oh, inspiration, sure. with the quotes, with, you know, with faith, with whatever it is that, that gets you pumped up and keeps you positive and motivated – you got to keep doing it. For sure. Yeah, and I know you travel with I, some people I, that are super motivational and that have good mindsets, and I, I mean, I just know that makes a big difference. Yeah, we. Uh, I go with uh, Luke Madsen and Ben Madsen and a few other, and my dad quite a bit, and it, who you rodeo with, I mean, you just, I mean, we're all, we all have fun, and we mess around with each other, and we, we try to help each other in whatever way whatever way it can mm-hmm. whether that be if somebody's in need of a horse or you're tired and the other person's actually drove more than you have i mean like for instance this week i got to catch a couple flights because i got up wrong at some rodeos and i've already got 
two different people that I'm going to catch rides with. You just got to ask in the rodeo world. No, like I said, nobody's going to tell you no, I don't think. I think everybody's as much help as you're willing to ask for. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, um, we'll wrap this up. I just want to ask one last question. What is the main piece of advice as short as you can make it that you would give a kid that wants to get to the level that you're at where you're trying to make it to the top? If I had to say, tell somebody one thing and then, and I do this every day, work at it as hard as you can possibly work at it. I'm a firm believer in practice learning more things, going to as many rodeos as, as you can or can afford, and just staying focused and just, I mean, if you want to, with, with rodeo nowadays, you've got to eat, sleep, and breathe it. I mean, mm-hmm. Tough Cooper isn't where he's at today because he sits on the couch at home and thinks about roping calves. He's out there roping calves all day, every day, and getting as good as he can possibly get and and that's that's how i that is my main piece of advice i mean there's a kid in iowa right now that i I say i rope a lot uh his name's chance fleming and he is that kid that he eats sleeps and breathes it i mean he ropes the dummy 500 times ties the dummy 500 times and and that's no exaggeration and Um, always has eats sleeps and breathes yeah, and, and since he was little. And, yeah. and there's a lot of people in the world that are like that. I'm not saying she is the only one that is, but it's just one that is stuck out, uh, stuck out to me that has just, that just loves it. And you can just tell, and you can tell if he does good, how thinks he can make himself better. And, and there's a lot of people like that. But like I said, he's just one that is just stuck out to me that's just really ropes and ties and watches roping videos. Well, and, you know, I've read a lot of books, and more than once I've read that, you know, there's only 5% of people that really step and that exceed expectations and go above and beyond to be at the top. Only 5% of the population, and I think that's true in rodeo, too. So if you want to be a part of that 5%, you have to do exactly what you're saying. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay, last question. Yep, now I. What do you recommend for parents? What's one thing, one piece of advice you'd give them? Always encourage your kids and don't try to knock them, not necessarily knock them down, but they're having a bad run or a bad day. Instead of, you know, telling them what they're doing wrong, you know, you might say, okay, this is what we've done wrong, but this is what you've done good. And always just push them in a good way to the right, the right area, you know, make them, make them feel like they're doing something, you know, something good and just stay positive for them because you're obviously you know a little bit more than they do so you need to be a little more mature maybe and just explain to them hey it's going to be better you're going to get to run another one um this isn't your last one for forever and that's the nice thing about rodeo you you minus pole bending and goat tying and goat tying is getting more when you're done with your college career you can always, you know, where you might play football, your senior year of high school or basketball or your senior year of college, you're done. I mean, you don't get mm-hmm. to play no more if you're not good enough to go. But there's so many different levels in rodeo. You can amateur rodeo. You can open rodeo. You can pro rodeo. There's always, there's always a chance one. to run another one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that, that is the one good thing about rodeo. It might not, it might be, you know, if it's the last rodeo of the year, um, 
it might be six months before you get to run it, get to do it again. But you're going to get to do it again. So yeah. If you want to, you, you can. Stay. Yeah, exactly. And if you really want to that bad, there's somewhere that's got one. Yes. Yes. It might not be real close, but there's somewhere that's got one. Right. Yes, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Cody, so much for your advice, for your insight. I know you've been up and down the road. You've got all kinds of experience, and you know, you have a lot to offer. I know that if anybody's ever driving through Iowa and wants to rope a calf, that they're more than welcome to stop by and you know chat with you and get some advice. Yep, all righty. Well, thanks for having me. Yes, good luck this weekend. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye. A huge thanks to Cody Huber for joining us on the RodeoKids.com podcast. He is a true inspiration. He's currently sitting 34th in the world in 2019 in the beginning of July, and we wish him the best of luck going up and down the road. And if you ever have any questions about calf roping or anything, want to go to a clinic, definitely look Cody up on Facebook. Uh, His dad, Bill Huber, has been to the NFR twice, and I've known them both my entire life. They're a great family with all kinds of knowledge and you are sure to leave their place feeling better about yourself, feeling better about your horses, roping sharper, and ready to go win some money. So again, thank you, Cody Huber, and good luck. This RodeoKids.com podcast was brought to you by Wild Child Headstalls. If you're looking for a headstall with shorter cheek pieces to fit your combinations, hackamores, long purchase bits, or gag bits, check out the headstall section under our shop page on RodeoKids.com.